Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Why don't we all stand this morning? And I wonder if we could just give the Lord some praise today. Amen. It's power in Jesus' name. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's just lift his name up for a minute. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. You are great, almighty God, and greatly to be praised. We magnify the name that's above every name, O oh God. You can do all things exceeding and abundantly. Above all that we're able to ask or think, we bring you the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. That's do your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. It's power in worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Bishop is out of town today, so I'm honored to give him... Uh, honor today in his absence, and I'm honored to fill in in his absence. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about, uh, this morning I want to talk about identifying the enemy, and it's, um, I won't get through it all today, but we'll get started on it today, amen? So we want to, how many know we're in a war? And uh, we need to identify the enemy that's in our life. Um, James chapter 1, we'll start there in verse number four, 2. James chapter 1 and verse number 2. It says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Or lacking nothing. and So just underline that because we'll talk about it a little bit later. But when we allow God to have his work and allows us to become perfect, um, that means complete, entire. We become well-rounded or well-aged in our walk with the Lord. And when that happens, we become <clears throat> that we are wanting or lacking nothing. And that has a lot to do with... Um, identifying the enemy in our temptations especially when it says you fall into diverse temptations that's um, various as in character or in the makeup of in other words there's different kinds he attacks us in all different areas temptations simply means this putting to proof <clears throat> and these are all four different types actually Solicitation, temptation, that's what we're going to be talking about, first of all, starting off this morning. But temptation is also a discipline, and it also means adversary or adversity. <clears throat> and so when we look in the first Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. All right, so we're going to go through these things, and the writer here, Peter, is telling us, don't think that some strange thing is just happening to you and that you're out of God's will <clears throat> and that, uh, you know, God doesn't know where you are, God doesn't love you and all that, because those thoughts can come through our mind, right? And that's why it's important to identify the enemy in our walk with God. So there's four different times, types of enemy attacks that I want to just make you known, aware of this morning. The enemy attacks 
<clears throat> with temptations. And with our temptations, we need to resist. Trials is the next one I have listed there. Trials that we need to repent in our trials. Test, rejoice in our test, and trespasses you need to release. So I'll explain these a little bit one at a time. The first one, temptation, is what I'm going to be discussing this, this morning. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with this uh, portion right here. But the enticement, that's what we think of a lot of times when we think of temptation, the enticement. 1 John 2, 16, it says, All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. Lust is simply a longing and a desire. Remember I said that when we become complete, we become mature, then we long for nothing. You don't have that desire uh, to step out in sin. <clears throat> and so in our temptations, we need to resist. Ephesians tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So that's resisting the enemy. And like I said, we're going to talk about that today, and that's probably the only one we'll get through. So let me just briefly identify the, the other three. <clears throat> the other one is trials. Trials are brought on by our own choices. Okay, sometimes we make the wrong choices. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So this is a law of God, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap, all right? And just because we get into the church and receive the Holy Ghost and, and get baptized in Jesus' name doesn't mean these temptations don't come our way, and you're still going to have times in your life when you make the wrong choice, all right, if we're not careful. But if we can identify the enemy, I believe that we can come to a place where we are making the right choices, amen? But it says that you know, whatever you're, don't be deceived, all right? Don't fool yourself. You're not getting by. Whatever you're sowing is what you're going to reap, all right? He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life, all right? So these are trials are what's brought on by our own choices, our own actions. And this is how we combat that. And this is what we must do in those situations is simply repent. Revelations 2, the writer's writing to the Ephesians church, Ephesus church there. And he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove the candlestick out this place except thou repent. So he's telling us here that when we go through situations that what we need to do, when we've left, left our first love, you've, you've made the wrong choice, you went in the wrong direction, repent. Turn from your ways. All right? Trials. Those are our trials. The third one is the test that we go through. Now, a test <clears throat> for this study is simply brought on because it's our, we're walking with the Lord. All right, you begin walking with the Lord. There's certain trials and tests that you're going to experience just because you're choosing to walk for the Lord. Amen. I said we're in a warfare, right? 
we're in a battle. The enemy knows that we've made a decision to start walking with the Lord, and so there's going to come some tests into our lives <clears throat> just simply because we've decided, we've made the decision, we've made the choice to walk with God. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. <laughs> now that's the opposite of what the flesh wants to do in a trial, right? When we're going through situations and stuff, the fiery trials. <clears throat> but it says these trials that try you, rejoice in them inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And so we rejoice in the tests that we have along our, on our way. I remember, I think it was Brother Sims taught, <clears throat> it's been several months ago now, but he was here at our church, and he was teaching on the praise that we have is really the result <clears throat> from where God has brought us from along the way. And I thought about that, and it was pretty, you know, it was, was eye-opening to me, because yes, that's true. We worship God because of what he's done for us, right? And then the longer that you're in this, and you're up here worshiping God, and you say, yes, thank you, Lord, for delivering me from that. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through this or that or wherever the situation is. And so our praise is a result of what God has done for us in our lives. And usually they're trials and tests that along the way that we've suffered some loss maybe, but we gain our soul through those things. And he's saying here that you're going to suffer these tests, you're going to go through these fiery trials, but rejoice. 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perished, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. So there's power in worship and giving God praise. We don't understand it, right? We don't understand why we're going through the things. We don't even understand God, right? <laughs> if we could, he probably wouldn't be God. Amen? The psalmist wrote, you know, he says, you know, my uprising and my downsitting and you're acquainted with my thoughts that are far off. He said, there's not a word in my mouth, but Lord, you, don't, you know it all together. Amen? He said, such knowledge is too high for me. In other words, he said, I can't even comprehend it. I can't attain under the power of God. Amen. But when we just simply rejoice and praise God with joy unspeakable, hallelujah, it confuses the enemy. Amen. It gets the enemy all, they don't understand why we can go through situations and at the same time begin to worship God and to praise God and to give him glory and honor. That's do his name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap right now. <clears throat> God's been good to us. Hallelujah. That we have this hope. Amen. 
of eternity. We've got this hope. And this, uh, the, the walk here on this earth is going to be a warfare. And it's going to be a battle. We need to understand that. <clears throat> but God is with us through it all. Amen. And so the enemy attacks us with our temptations, right? And we're going to talk about that for a few minutes right now. And with the trials that come into our lives, those are what happens to us because of our choices. And in our trials, we've got to repent, find a place of repentance. And the wonderful thing about God is his mercy, amen, that we can make a mistake, we can come to him, hallelujah, ask forgiveness, and he forgives us, amen. So the trials, we have to repent. Test that we go through simply because we're Christians. Rejoice in them. Hallelujah. You may be saying, I, you know, I'm just trying to do right. I don't understand what's going on. I'm just trying to live for you, God, and all this is coming upon me. Rejoice. Hallelujah. I know for one thing, it'll turn around one day. And then trespasses are what happens to us because of others. <clears throat> I don't know if I went over that one, did I? Trespasses are brought on by the offenses from others in our life. <clears throat> Luke chapter number 17, verse 1. Then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses are going to come. Offenses are going to come into our life. Amen. Offense is a violation upon us. And it's going to happen. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 gives us the, the answer to that. In our trespasses, we have to be able to release, hallelujah, release that. Don't hold those against you, amen, uh, hold those against an individual. Luke 17, 3, take heed uh, to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, tell him what his wrong was. If he repents, forgive him. Simple as that, amen. Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15 for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not others their trespasses, neither will your uh, Father forgive you your trespasses. So that's a pretty profound portion of scripture right there. Because <clears throat> it's talking about if we want forgiveness, we've got to be able to forgive. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> And I know, I don't know about you, but I want forgiveness. Amen? So, we want to talk about the first one this morning, which is just simply the temptations that come into our lives. <clears throat> it is the solicitation, if you will. This is the enemy soliciting to our wants and to our desires. And that's why I said underline that part up. In James chapter 1, verse 4, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, all right, or lacking nothing. When you become <clears throat> engrossed in the Lord, when you're walking with God, the temptations have no control over you or no effect on you because you're not wanting those things <clears throat> that are outside the will of God. So it's the solicitation. Let's look at James chapter 1 and verse number 12. <coughs> James chapter 1 and verse 12.
Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I, have te I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So temptations do not come from God, although he may allow them to come into our lives. They do not come from God. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, his own wants, his own desires. That's why it's important to go back to that verse. When we're entire and complete in Christ, it takes our wants and desires from doing the wrong things and enticed. <clears throat> then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we see this progression <clears throat> that happens when we sin. The wages, the Bible tells us in Galatians, that the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life. So even in the wording there, you know, wages means something that you work at, right? So that's the result of sin. It's, it's hard. It's labor. Amen. Sin will be labor. But the gift of God, what God wants to give us, is eternal life. And it's a gift. You don't have to work for it. Amen. So it says, <clears throat> enticed. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Enticed means to set the bait. All right. It means a decoy or to trick. So the concept that we get here from the um, enticement, if you will, the solicitation, is that it looks good. But it really isn't. It looks good to us, but it really isn't. It's kind of like the, the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's not true. Amen? That's a deception from the enemy. The enemy tries to deceive us. Amen? Be careful that you do not become enticed, tricked by the bait. It's there to capture you. We have a squirrel that's running around in our office area ceiling, I think, over here. And we've got a trap set for him. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> so far it's not working. He's out squirreled us, outfoxed us, <laughs> or whatever it is. <clears throat> but we set a little cracker in there on the little thing. And when he walks into the bait, it looks good. But boy, we're going to get him. We're going to have him. And then we're going to release him alive out into the world for all you animal lovers. <clears throat> <clears throat> but that's the enticement, the bait. But there's a trap set. And the reason why it can work, this is like a mouse trap, is because the mind of the squirrel, right, or the mind of the mouse, doesn't have enough uh, common sense to figure out this is a trap. <laughs> so, we have to think. Everybody point to their brain right here. You've got to think in order to overcome the solicitation of the devil. Amen? Because he wants to trick you. He wants to entice you. 
and it's going to look good. Amen? To the outside, it's going to look good, but the grass is not greener on the other side. The enemy is in the business of deception, deceiving. He blew it. Lucifer blew it. He was in heaven, and he blew it. He wasn't thinking right. And now he's been cast down, and God's made a, a hell prepared for him and his angels, his devil, imps, or whatever you want to call them. But it's not prepared for us. Amen? But the devil wants to try to take all of us with him, so he's going to do everything that he can through deception. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Think about that. It's going to look good. It's going to look good. Amen? That's why we have to be conscious of what God is doing in our lives to be aware of the tricks of the enemy. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, once again the deception, trying to put fear in us, as a roaring lion, he's not one, he just <clears throat> goes around as one. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. I looked that up, it means to swallow whole. I mean, he wants to swallow you whole. You ever sat down at a Thanksgiving dinner and just devoured the food there? That's what the devil wants to do to you. He just wants to devour you. Amen. He wants to completely get rid of you. So, we know temptation's there. We, we, I think that's one of the main things, one of the four that we understand the most, that the temptation's there, the desires of the flesh. So what are we supposed to do about it? And I want to talk about that in the <clears throat> next 20 minutes of how we combat this temptation. Well, we read about it, be sober and be vigilant. Verse 9 says, whom resist? All right? So that's our response. We have to resist the enemy. Resist steadfast in the faith. I underline that in the faith because, you know, we can try to resist him in all different areas on our own strength. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but stay in the faith. Stay in the church. Amen. Stay on the Lord's side. Whom resist? Steadfast in the faith. faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So it's not something new. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. We're not going to talk about the armor of God today, even though that's one of the things we do to resist. But it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He, Ephesians chapter 6, go back and read it in your time to learn some things you can do to combat the devil. The wiles. The cunning devices of the devil. He's cunning. He's wise. He looks like an angel of light. It's going to look good. Amen? But he's a liar. He's a deceiver. <clears throat> For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. So here we have the cunning devices of the devil. And we're told here that the battle's not against flesh and blood, even though that's what entices us, right? The flesh. But the real battle's not there, he said. It's against powers, principalities, spiritual wickednesses in high places. It just simply means a spiritual government. In other words, the devil is organized. He has an organized effort. It's a spiritual, wicked government. But there's an order to it. And he's got a design. And he wants to devour you and me. He wants to swallow us up. <clears throat> but this is the lie. And this is the deception of the devil. He paints a pretty picture. And of course, the thing that we all think about in temptation is what? Adam and Eve in the first account we see there and we use it all the time in this and we're going to go to it this morning but Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 4 <clears throat> said and the serpent said unto the woman you shall not surely die he's already we all I think we all know the the story, right? He's tempting her. Go ahead and eat in the forbidden tree. You can do it. She says, no, we're not supposed to or we're going to die. And he says to her, you're not going to die. You're not going to surely die. So there's the lie. And here's the deception in verse number five. <clears throat> but God does know that in the day that you eat it, then your eyes are going to be open. Partial truth there, right? Their eyes were going to be open. They knew that they were naked. And you shall be as God's. The deception, knowing good and evil. And so we see the woman was enticed by it. The solicitation is brought forth. The deception set there. And the woman saw in verse 6 that the tree was good for food. It was good for the food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. And so she took of it. Her eyes were open. And they hid themselves. They realized they were naked, covered themselves with fig leaves. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. So here's the result of our sin, the condemnation that we feel, is that they hid from God, which is the exact, exact opposite of what God wants us to do. We become condemned, and remember the devil, he's the condemner, he's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to say, see, you made a mistake, you, you failed God now, God doesn't love you anymore. And so we hide from God. We don't come to church. We don't pray like we used to pray. We don't read our Bible. Kind of stay away from God, because you either think that he's mad at you, or you get convicted every time you come. <clears throat> but... You can't hide from God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can't hide from God. They hid themselves from the presence of God. <clears throat> but God called out to him because he loves us. Hallelujah. God keeps calling out to us. He said, Abram, or Adam, I'm sorry, Adam. He said, where are you, Adam? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. He said, why were you afraid? Well, we ate of the tree. 
He said, did you eat of the tree that I commanded that you shouldn't? So the three basic forms of the solicitation of life are the lust of the flesh, right? The flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how Eve was. She saw it was good for food, pleasant to look at, and desired to make one wise. All right? Pride of life. And so those are the three basic solicitations that we have in this life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17 reinforces this. Where he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So here it is, John's writing about it. These are how you're tempted in the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Just like Eve was tempted in the garden. Amen. And he puts this footnote in here. He says, this is why you don't want to be deceived because the world is going to pass away. <laughs> so I think it was uh, Brother Anthony Magnum that says he went around and put stickers temporary on his house, front door to his house, put it on the steering wheel of his car, temporary, just to remind him that everything that in this life is just temporary. Everything in this life is just temporary. It's going to pass away. That'll help you in times of temptation. It's going to pass away. The lusts are all going to be gone. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, the, Luke records a story about a rich man that died and went to hell. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes into heaven... And he could see Lazarus, who was the poor layman that used to lay at his feet or lay at his gate begging bread. And he talked, there's a conversation that's recorded, I think it's in Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> but he's saying, you know, it shows a conversation between Abraham and this rich man. And he says, you know, can you send Lazarus to just give me a, a dip of his finger in some water? I just want to a drop of water because I'm tormented in these flames. So we get a view of what hell is. It's a torment in flames forever and ever. And Abraham says we can't do that because now there's a great gulf fixed between us. This is eternity, folks. <clears throat> right? This is eternity. So the world is going to pass away. It's temporary. But this is eternity. It was so bad that the man said, well, can you at least send somebody to my brothers? I've got five brothers, I think it was. Go tell somebody. Go tell somebody to go tell them so they don't come to this place of torment. And so that old saying that misery loves company, that's not true in hell. It's so bad. You don't want anybody to go there. You don't want anybody to go there. But the world is going to pass away. Everything that's therein, the lust therein, it's not worth it. <laughs> Leave it behind. Amen. <clears throat> but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hallelujah. 
So we have these three things. Jesus was also tempted in this way when he was tempted of Satan in the wilderness. He was tempted in the flesh when he was hungry. Remember, he had fasted for 40 days. and The Bible says afterward he was a hungered. And he, uh, Satan come to him and says, well, you know, command these stones to be made bread, you know, if you're God. And Jesus just combated him each time with the word. We're not going to go through that. But also that was the flesh. The eyes said that he took him up into the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He showed it to him. Look at all this. The lust of the eyes. He says, all this I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. <clears throat> And that's what Jesus had come for, right? But it wasn't the way, the right way. It was a deceptive way. Jesus told him, get, get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. Because Jesus had come to deliver all those kingdoms and all those worlds from sin. Satan says, I'll give them to you if you just worship me. That was the lust of the eyes and the pride of life when he said, took him up in the high pinnacle and said, cast yourself down if you're the son of God. Prove it, you know. And that's pride. And so Jesus was tempted in those ways also. But with each time he resisted with the word of God. Amen. There's power in the word of God. <clears throat> it says in James chapter 1 in verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. In other words, <clears throat> sometimes we need to take a good long look into the mirror and remind ourselves that we are nothing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in, in the sight of God. In the face of the universe, we are just barely not even a pinhead in mass. Amen. We need God. We are nothing without God. Amen. And so he says that when you hear the word of God, but you don't do it, you just go your own way. You're, you're enticed. You follow after the solicitation of the enemy. He said, when you do those things, you're deceiving your own self. Amen. Wake up. Hallelujah. You look at yourself, but when you go away, you forget what man or man you were. You forget who you are. We need to realize that we need God in our lives. We need God in our lives. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> I want to give a few things of how we can take full responsibility or how we can resist the enemy is the first one is to take full responsibility of your own life. <clears throat> I saw a quote somewhere it says the day you go from childhood to adulthood is the day that you take 100% responsibility for your actions. So when you want to combat sin, you need to take full responsibility for your own life. A lot of times we make excuses for why we are, can't live right and we blame it on somebody's actions towards us or how somebody treated us in the past and I don't want to minimize anybody that's been, we're going to get into the, uh, at another time under the trespasses part where you have to release that. But folks, you can't, you can't always carry that around 
you're going to have to take responsibility for your own actions. A hundred percent responsibility for your own actions. Look at what Adam and Eve did. You know, Adam said to the Lord, the woman who you gave me. <laughs> so all the husbands say amen, right? The woman who you gave me, <clears throat> she caused me to do it. And the woman said, what'd she say? The devil made me do it. I, wasn't that Flip Wilson many years ago that you say, the devil made me do it? Well, <clears throat> the devil, folks, cannot make us do anything. The devil cannot make you do anything. The devil cannot make you do anything. Another individual cannot make you do anything. Amen? Take 100% responsibility for your actions. That's when you look into the mirror and you realize what manner of man or woman that you are. This is who I am. This is my mistake. I'm the one doing this. <clears throat> I take full responsibility. The blame game started clear back with Adam and Eve in Genesis when they tried to put the blame on somebody else. It didn't matter to God. It did not matter to God. <clears throat> and so the deception is that you're not getting by. Amen? You're not getting by. You can't blame it on something else. You can't blame it on the enemy. <clears throat> you and the Lord can overcome this thing. But the first thing you have to do is confront it with your own self, taking 100% responsibility of your own life. The deception is that you can get by with it. But number two, the second thing I want to talk about is that <clears throat> you cannot rely on your own strength. Okay? you got to take full responsibility of your actions, but too often we try to rely on our own ability, our own strength to do this. We cannot do it without the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, standeth, take heed, lest he fall. Let him that thinketh that he stands, take heed, lest he fall. You've got to be careful when you just think that we're standing on our own. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able. All right? But will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He's not going to put any more on us than we're able to bear, Right? And he's going to make a way to escape the temptation that you may be able to bear it. Hallelujah. He's not going to overbear you, and he's going to make a way for you to overcome the temptations of God. This is the word of God. Don't get the Samson mentality, which simply means I can rely on my own strength, right? When we think of Samson, and he was this powerful man, the strongest man in the Bible, and he had this great strength, but it came from God, right? His strength came from God. But after he got his strength and his power, 
he didn't have a relationship with God. He just kind of did his own thing. He relied on his own power. And for a while that worked for him, but it didn't end up too good for him. Amen? We have to realize that, you know, that when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says you shall receive power. Hallelujah. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But it's not a one-time thing. You just don't get the power and say, you go out and, wow, hallelujah, I can do what I want now. I got the power. I'll just speak in tongues here and this will leave me and depart from me. Amen. But we have to develop the relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what the Holy Ghost is all about anyway. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have this treasure that's in an earthen vessel, in this weakened vessel. Amen. So, of course, we know about having the relationship, the right relationship of prayer, fasting in the Word. We've already talked a little bit about that. That's how Jesus combated his temptation in the wilderness for, <clears throat> he would say, it is written. He used the Word. And I can remember I was 19 when I first came into the church. I came out of a world of partying and drugs and alcohol and and it was kind of hard to break away from all of that. And, you know, my friends in the world, they kept soliciting to me. Come on, man, come on. And, and so I latched a hold of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And I memorized this. It says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted about that which you are able, but will also, with the temptation, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I memorized that, and I reminded God about it daily that this was his word. <laughs> I said, God, this is your word. There's power in the word of God. Get a scripture that associates with maybe whatever you're struggling with. Memorize it. Tell God, it's in the Word, Lord. Now I need some help in this situation. Hallelujah. He'll do it. He's, he's true and faithful to His Word. His Word is yea and amen. Hallelujah. You can stand on the, upon the Word of God. And so grasp a hold of that, you know. And through the years, God is, will help you when you begin to pray the Word to, to God it helps you to understand it, lets your faith arise. Not that God's forgotten it, but it helps your faith to arise and to believe that God will do the miraculous for you. Prayer, of course, there's no substitute in prayer. You've got to do it. The Bible says pick up your cross daily. That's the main thing about prayer, folks, and reading the Word. It's daily. The devil is relentless. He's going to be there every day. Amen? So we've got to be there in prayer every day. I want to try to get through this last part because it's, I think we understand the other ones. But we have to be able to change our minds through temptations that come our way. We've got to be able to think differently about it. I can remember pastor preaching, uh, it's been probably a couple years ago now, but it really uh, spoke to my heart. But he said when you're being tempted try to play out the end of the scenario. You know what I'm saying? Look at the end of the road. We go for that instant gratification, right? But if we would play out 
what happens at the end, you know, take that snort of cocaine and I'll be flying high for a while, you know, it'll be really good, but the end of the road is you get hooked on that and then you lose your wife and then you lose your kids and then you might be stealing to provide for your habit and then you end up in jail. See what I'm saying? Play out the scenario. And I thought that was an excellent thing for us in changing our minds. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. This is the second thing. Commit thy works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So you need to be busy about God's business. You can't just come in and sit in the house of God and hear the word of God and go your way. You'll never... Get your mind in tune with God because that's not God's desire. He wants us to be in the kingdom of God. And there's no church that I know of more than this one that attempts to put each and every person in a certain place to do the work of God. Amen? Because you've got to do that. When you commit your works to the Lord, the Bible says your thoughts are going to be established. All right? 2 Corinthians tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. So the third thing is, is bring God into your situation. That seems funny, but when you bring God into your situation and you're tempted and you say, God, what would you do right now? You know, uh, well, how would you want me to respond? It helps you to change your way of thinking. The fourth thing is, is to confess our faults and our weaknesses. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So <clears throat> look at the end of the road. Get involved in a work of God. Bring God into your decisions of everything. Bring God into your life. And confess your faults and your weaknesses. God's not afraid of our weaknesses. God's not afraid of our faults. He understands us. <laughs> he created us this way. Sometimes I said, God, you created me this way. Now you got to help me. You know what I'm saying? you got to help me to overcome this. You know, this flesh that I'm in is giving me a lot of trouble. I need some help. God's not afraid of our weaknesses, but we, he wants us to go to him and say, God, I need you. Hallelujah. When we just bring God into the equation, God can do great and mighty things in our lives. Amen. God bless you this morning. Let's all stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer as we switch, um, switch services here. God, we love you and we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings and for your word. We pray, God, that you would give us the uh, mindset, O oh Lord, to be able to identify the attacks of the enemy. God, help us, O oh Lord, to put our hands into your hand and your will, O oh God. Let it be accomplished in our lives. We love you. We need you this morning. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.